You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 25 of the Dogaritaville podcast. Today we are drinking 4th of July themed margaritas and talking about muzzles finally. I think we had like four episodes where I said we were going to talk about muzzles next and we never did. It was at least three. It's finally happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for every episode, we pick a theme for our margaritas and each do our own take on it. We post the recipes on our Instagram, if you're lucky, for you to try. We're I'm always trying. No, 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 I'm not. That's not anything on you. As you can see, I didn't do anything with the outline today. Like, I am also not doing my job. I, I think my problem is I can't find a good um, Canva format that I like for the recipes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I've tried a couple times. Like, the design is not there for me. And that's that's the hold up. We're always looking for new ideas, so let us know if you have an idea for an episode or a margarita theme. And today we're doing 4th of July because for some reason I thought this was going to come out the week of 4th of July, but it's not. This is going to come out later. I was wondering about that, and I was like, I have a feeling we're going to have to re-record our intros and outros so we can move this in the outline. No, I'm fine with it just being late. (laughs) Whatever. We have some updates for segment one, which is that there's going to be a new segment of the podcast which we haven't totally figured out but we're working on it and it's called the yappy hour and it is a segment where we have guests and when i say we i mean me because laura doesn't want to do it (laughs) (laughs) i so here's the thing i don't not want to do it just talking to other human beings is like my worst possible hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> in theory, I think having guests on the podcast is great, and I probably will join Yappy Hour at some point. But that point is not now. <laughs> like after I hammer it out. <laughs> yeah, once Lily does all the work for it, then I might hop in. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Our first guest is going to be Brett Bailey from Who's Good Boy Industries. And we're talking tomorrow. We're recording tomorrow. And I don't know when these are going to come out. So just keep an eye out. We'll keep you on your toes. Um, That's like really good marketing, right? Like not telling people (laughs) exactly when things are going to happen. Well, I was thinking they would come out every other Tuesday so that we end up having an episode every week. But that's like an obscene amount of editing for you. So No, I think that's a great idea. Because it would be nice to do weekly instead of bi-weekly. But that, again, is from someone that doesn't have anything to do with the editing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. I just show up, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might end up being what happens. And then I've also got um, Michelle Carey, who works at Inglenook Academy. And she's an ethologist and has worked with, like, gibbons and hyenas in South Africa and... I'm sorry, Gibbons? Yeah, like the monkey. Okay. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck is a Gibbon? Uh, yeah, so she's like really badass and awesome, and I'm really excited to talk to her. And then Dylan, I don't know his last name, and we're going to talk about 
Um, babies and kids. Uh, no, yeah. Ugh. Babies and dogs. Kids and dogs. Why? Because people have children, Laura. <laughs> people have dogs. Their, their poor choices is not, are not my fault. So this is a really good reason why the segment is starting without Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is going to uh, show up and be like, so here's some information about babies. Laura's going to be like, ew. Why? That's what you do for a living? Get that out. awful. <laughs> I'll have like my chiropractor on one day and stuff like that, but and Kathy, who the swimming lady? Mm. Kathy would be fun. That's a good idea. The middle lady, um, Michelle, is that what you said? Uh huh. Are you talking to her about dog training or just animal training? Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly what topic I'm going to have her talk about because she like. Is super smart and knows everything about everything. So we have like a range to choose from about what we want her to talk about. I was thinking we haven't really covered separation anxiety. And I don't think either of us are like super work on that very much. Um, so I thought that that might be a good one to talk to her about. But I don't know. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. What are you talking to Brett about? Oh, um, I didn't say. So Brett and I are going to be talking about play and training. Um, so play between owners and dogs, not play between dogs. So I'm really excited about that because... I don't know. That's not something that I do very often is like incorporate play into training. So I think that'll be really fun. Yeah, that's interesting. He's the one that's um, based in New York City, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting in that setting, too. Yeah, definitely. I like it. Can't wait to listen. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm really excited about the Yappy Hour um, where we're going to unleash and unwind. Which, by the way, Laura came up with both of those phrases. Did I? I was yeah. just about to say how clever. You, oh my god, you are so fucking funny. You, oh my god. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Look at me. <laughs> that is so funny. Like, so I was listening when back when we did the updates a few episodes ago and we were listening to the older episodes to kind of see, you know, how things have changed. I was like, I don't even recognize Laura from episode one. Like you were like, oh, three ounces of tequila. Oh, my God. You're going to kill yourself. I put two ounces of agave in my drink. (laughs) I I would call myself force free is what you said in episode one. (laughs) Listen, I didn't even recognize you. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's so funny. But I think that it's because you like change week to week. Like you don't even remember that you came up with Unleash and Unwind. I could have taken credit for that myself. Wow. You really could have. You probably still can because I'm going to forget again (laughs) almost immediately. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So there it is. Yappy Hour. We're going to Unleash and Unwind with some guests. Uh, And if anybody has guests that they want to see on the podcast or um, topics that they'd like to see covered that Laura and I don't do, like agility or, you know, something like that, that um, we just aren't involved in, let us know and we can try to make that happen. Well, there is some updates about the podcast. We'll take a break here. When we get back, we will talk about every day I'm muzzling. (laughs) Okay, bye. Margarita check. How did you make your 4th of July themed margarita? Oh, man, it was intricate. Um, I'm going to pull up the recipe because it was a whole to do. So mine is layered red, white, and blue. 
So I had to make three different margaritas and put them all together. Um, for the red layer, it is one cup frozen strawberries, two ounces of tequila, one ounce triple sec, two ounces of grenadine, which I was worried about, but didn't, that ended up working, and one ounce of lime juice, and then ice. The blue layer was two ounces of tequila, one ounce, one ounce triple sec, uh, two ounces blue curacao. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why I am incapable of saying it, but I can't say it. Two ounces of blue curacao, one ounce lime juice. And then the white layer is two ounces of tequila, one ounce triple sec, two ounces of lime juice. And then it was supposed to have agave in it, but I realized too late that I was out of agave. So it doesn't, but it's still good. Nice. (laughs) It looks beautiful and it's blended and it's really... Today, it's actually not that hot, but it's been ridiculously hot so having like a slushy drink is just really really hitting the spot right now it's not that flavorful but i would still classify it as delicious (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm already a little drunk because i already drank one giant wine glass so nice (laughs) it made a lot it definitely was for like a pitcher yeah. Because, I mean, it's essentially three pitchers. Yeah. It's hard to make, color. like, a layered margarita without making a bunch. Yeah. I'm going to be shit-faced by the end of this. And Excellent. there's still there's still more. <laughs> there's still more in the kitchen. It's fine. That's good. That's, like, always really good for the episodes where we didn't write a whole lot. Because, yeah. like, then we, we'll just wrap it trail until the end of time. Yeah. I was talking to my friends uh, right before we started recording. And he was like, just talk about random shit, man. And I was like, no, that's <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, though. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> how did you make yours? You sent me the picture and I couldn't. It looked almost like it was layered. Yeah, look, I don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> I, I wanted to do a layered one. So I already slacked more than Lara because I was only going to do red and blue layers. And then the sugared rim was going to oh. be the white. Okay. Oh, that's clever. Um, and so I made two separate margaritas. But the thing is, I think my red layer was a little too liquidy. So when I poured it on top of the blue layer, layer it like just immediately started mixing. And so on my picture, you can kind of see blue in the bottom. But I was like, I went through all that fucking trouble and just for the picture. <laughs> and it didn't even come out well. But yeah, so my blue layer was like, I put in... Um, you remember when we did the blue margarita episode, I got that hypnotic stuff. Um, it's like oh, yeah, tropical yeah, yeah. liqueur. Um, yeah. So I just, I blended that with just lime juice. And then for the red layer, I did our prickly pear syrup and put in some strawberries. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and that made it nice and red. And it tastes, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm referring to here, but when I drink it, <laughs> It takes me back to, like, fourth grade when we would all go to the roller rink. Blue raspberry. It That might be it. Like a, a slushy yeah. or something. Yeah. But, yeah, when I take a sip, I'm like, oh, this tastes like the roller rink. <laughs> yeah. To me, that screams blue raspberry. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting, though. I would have never thought about the prickly pear uh, or the hypnotic. I was pissed because for the um, the blue one that we did, I threw out my the blue curacao that I got previously because I was like, oh, I'm never going to use this again. 
Mind you, my fridge and freezer are both full of those liquors that I've used for other episodes that I'm never going to use again. But for some reason, that was the one that I threw out. (laughs) God damn it. So now I have a fresh new bottle. Yeah, if anyone knows anything about me, it's that I hate going to the store <laughs> for anything. So yep. uh, if I have things at home that will make the margarita according to theme, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> what happens to me, even though I hate the store and I don't want to go, like, I cannot bring myself to look through the shit that I have. I'm just like, no, I don't have anything. It's like, well, you have 12 bottles of liquor in the freezer, so maybe one of them would work. Not convinced. You could throw a killer end of pandemic party, though. Think about your audience on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying you could, not that you're going to. I would never. (laughs) Is it good? Sorry, I missed that part. Yours is good? I mean, blue raspberry sounds like a fucking delight to me, but... I like it. Um, It's not what I would choose to drink, but it's fine. But yeah, anyways, muzzles. Muzzles! Muzzles! So if you see a dog in a muzzle, you should be afraid, because <laughs> the dog definitely <laughs> is aggressive, and it definitely is able to attack you through the muzzle. That's that the whole episode. Not- that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my blood pressure just <laughs> like what? I have educated you and <laughs> good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Muzzles uh, make people feel some type of way. Most people are scared of them, like Lily so eloquently mentioned Uh, um, or they hate them and they think they're mean what I've found out over the years is that sometimes even people that like them will have kind of an internal bias against them Uh, and by some people I mean me Uh, (laughs) or I've also gotten into fights with people over the proper fitting muzzles the proper kind of muzzles all sorts of stuff so plenty of drama surrounding muzzles Right? Right. Was it was it Danny who was like, you're ashamed of the muzzle? Or was that someone else? It was he sh- who shall not be named. <laughs> I don't know who that it, is. It was Stefan. Oh. 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 Okay. <laughs> Should I take his name out? Uh, no, you don't have to. I almost um, brought him up in segment four. I okay. might still. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, drink I'll more be of that. <laughs> Which but you yeah, know, even fu- even um, a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, right? Like he <laughs> he was correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Facts. I just think it's funny because I feel like half the time, if I have a dog in the muzzle, it's like parting the fucking Red Sea, and nobody will come anywhere near me. And then other time I'll have a dog in a muzzle and people will walk right up and be like, oh, can I say hi? And I'm like, bro, get the fuck away from me. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> And I mean, I guess it's it's presumptuous of me as I say, like, oh, not all dogs that wear muzzles are aggressive to be like, why the fuck are you trying to say hi to my muzzled dog? But like, it is a social indicator, right? Like. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Even if it's not for saying hi to people, like, there are other social cues within there that 
Right. Um, I remember I had a client that was <clears throat> that was a Portuguese water dog, and they look base nowadays. They look like black doodles, essentially. Yeah. Uh, he was super aggressive. He was not nice to people. And so I would take him out. I took him to like Home Depot or something. And he had to wear a muzzle because he was not nice. So he's in a muzzle wearing a training vest that like had my company logo on it and said in training and everything. And I cannot tell you how many fucking people walked up and tried to say hi to him. Oh, my God. And it's like part of it is the breed, right? Like... They had just assumed that he's a doodle. And I just I just couldn't believe it. But even like with my pits that are muzzled, sometimes people just walk up and they're like, oh, my God, I love pits. And I'm like, hi, please take three steps back. Right. <laughs> so I feel like it goes one way or the other. Like there is a lot of prejudice against it. But it also is like some people just don't don't take the hint. Right. Well, and it's like, you know, you told that story in one of the previous episodes about the vet tech who took Janie's muzzle off. And like so i feel like that was like four years ago and i'm still mad (laughs) no i would be too but i feel like that like the kind of people who would approach you are that kind of person who are like i have Mm -hmm. something to prove here like this dog clearly is not okay and i want to prove that i they would like me you know yeah yep um but yeah the most interesting thing about muzzles to me was that like internal bias that i didn't realize existed so everybody by now obviously knows about Charlie. Uh, he's my dog that's severely animal aggressive. Um, so when I would take him out, he's extremely well trained. He's unleashed. He's generally in a heel. He His recall is perfect, blah, blah, blah. He's never off leash, all of that. But I can't control the universe, right? So, like, I can't control if there's an off-leash dog that runs up to us or a dog on a flexi lead or we turn a corner and there's a dog, Right. So because of those incidents, because he's taken all of the chances that he's going to get, <laughs> and I know that if he has any more incidents, obviously the the choice is out of my hands. I can't keep him safe anymore at that point, right? So because he's at that point, I have to be extra cautious with him. So whenever I take him outside of the house, I would bring his muzzle, but I wouldn't always make him wear it. I would just have it. So if we saw an off-leash dog, I would be able to put it on him real quick. And I never realized it, but like... Why are you trying to avoid the muzzle? Like, you know your dog needs the muzzle. Not right. necessarily because he's not trained, but just because, again, you can't control the universe, right? Um, So a trainer that I used to work with was like, why are you even ri- just, why doesn't he just wear the fucking, like, what's wrong with the muzzle? Why can't he just wear it? Like, right. it's a basket muzzle. He can eat. He can drink. He can exercise. Like, why are you carrying it with you? <laughs> like, that's just stupid, right? And I never thought about it, but I was just like, oh, shit. I am avoiding the muzzle (laughs) because and I think, too, it's kind of ingrained in me just because I am a pit bull person that like it was the same reason that I didn't use halties for the longest time or gentle leaders because they look like a muzzle Mm -hmm. and I don't want like people already think my dog is mean just because of how he looks. (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to make that any worse. Right. But yeah. So ever since that was kind of pointed out to me now, Charlie wears his muzzle anytime we leave the house, no matter what, whether we're going to the vet or the park or just walk around the block. He, If we are leaving the front door, Charlie wears a muzzle. <laughs> and again, he is very well trained. He's not like bloodthirsty. It's not like he sees a dog and is like, let me fucking kill it. <laughs> right. He is that way with cats. But <laughs> <laughs> but again, I can't control the universe. And if a dog bum rushes us because people are stupid 
I'm not going to be able to do anything in that situation. And Charlie has used all his chances. So why am I going to risk his safety and his life for something that's not his fault? Right. Yeah. And it's it's funny to me because like if you pull out Charlie's muzzle, he reacts to the muzzle the same way that most dogs react to the leash because he knows the muzzle means we're going hiking, we're going to the lake, we're going out, we're going to do something. Yeah. Um, so anytime I grab the muzzle, you get that like crazy leash routine that you normally get where they're like bouncing all over going nuts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like that's how you know that you've done muzzle training well. But yeah, the internal bias was like the most interesting thing to me about muzzles because like I thought I was super pro muzzle. Like I love the muzzle up project. Uh, The muzzle up project is amazing. They're the best. They're basically just like a pro muzzle advocacy group because I love muzzles and I think they're a great tool. And I mean, that's really all they're it. Like that's all they are. I don't know why they're so like polarizing. I feel like people are either never use muzzles or always use muzzles. And I'm like. Given I definitely err towards always use muzzles, (laughs) but there is a middle ground. I'm trying to get there. I just very cautious because I have PTSD. (laughs) It's just a level of management. Like, like, yeah, it can definitely stress out your dog if you don't condition it and you just throw it on them in weird situations. But like if your dog is conditioned to it, it doesn't hurt them at all. It's like not uncomfortable for them if you have the right one and it's fitted properly. Yeah, so if you're using a basket muzzle, I mean, there's literally no hindrance, right? They can eat, they can drink, they can exercise, they can play, they can do literally everything. Yeah. Except bite people and eat things off the right. ground. Like, <laughs> that's literally it. <laughs> so yeah, they're super useful, super versatile. They don't always mean aggression. I never knew this until recently, but, like, I've I've met dogs now that wear them because they eat stuff they shouldn't, like, off the ground. Mm-hmm. I had a client message me about muzzle training because her lab has been to the vet so many times for eating random shit. Yeah. I personally use them mostly for dogs that have issues with people or other dogs, but I also make almost every single dog wear one at the vet even if they don't have issues, but just because it's a lot of random people that sometimes are inexperienced doing pretty invasive handling. Yeah. I mean, they're not even a training tool. They're a safety mechanism, you know? Yeah. Like, they're a management tool. And, like, people get so weird and bent out of shape if you have, like, you know, maybe a muzzled dog or a reactive dog or something, and you say, like, hey, can you call your dog? Because I'm working with my dog out here. We're on a leash and you're going to like make my dog flip out. And they'll say something like, oh, we'll just train your dog. And I'm like, that's literally exactly what we're doing. Like, how do you expect (laughs) me to train my dog without going out into public? And then if you're going to be an asshole and let your dog run up on us, you're the one who's going to get your dog bit. Like, that's why we're wearing the muzzle. (laughs) Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I love muzzles. I think they're great. Uh, I think they're super useful. I think, again, even if your dog isn't doesn't have aggression issues, I think it's super useful for vet visits and things like that. Because even if your dog's super friendly, like, if they injure themselves and they're in pain, they're still going to try to bite anybody that's fucking with their whatever's broken, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I know I've told it on Instagram and Facebook maybe, but... Um, There was a time where Balto got his toe stuck. And Balto is like, I mean, we've talked about him so much. He's an affectionate bag, like a bucket of rocks. Like he's just like, (laughs) he's lazy. He loves everybody. Like he's just the best, sweetest, just most do nothing bitch on the planet. 
And he bit me twice when I was trying to help him out of that situation. And, like, Balto would never. Like, he would never. And he bit me two times. I've never heard this story. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, never it, in my life. It, he was in the um, the back of the car. And, like, you know how, like, in the trunk of some cars, there's, like, a panel that lifts up? Um, like, yeah. where the tire is or whatever? He got yep. his toe stuck in the crack of that. Um, so I was, like, helping him get his toe out, and he bit me twice. That's crazy. Like, break the skin? Um, no, he didn't break the skin. No. Oh, but, okay. like, he he clenched Which, his mouth on my arm, though, twice. Keep in mind, <laughs> Balto is fucking massive. Right. And, like, it would take very little for him to break the skin. Right. So that's saying a lot. But that's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, just, like, if they're uncomfortable or in pain, like, they don't know what's going on, and they're going to panic. And they yeah. might hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, muzzles are just tools. They're really not as polarizing as they appear to be. I don't know. I I literally don't know why everybody is so obsessed with them. Um, But recently, oh, so one of my board and trains, uh, I was muzzle training her. And so she was wearing it on a walk and we take a bunch of photos, blah, blah, blah. Her rescue posts it. And somebody in the comments of the rescue post was like, she needs a better fitting muzzle. I'll buy her one and donate it. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's that's the right fitting muzzle. Like, what are you what are you talking about? And this girl posted. <laughs> she posted what I would assume is her bull terrier wearing a muzzle that legit is like four sizes too big for this fucking dog. <laughs> like. How this muzzle is even staying on his face, I don't know. Uh, just so huge. You could fit another dog underneath where its chin was. <laughs> like, it was insane. And she kept yelling about, like, she needs to be able to do a full pant, not just open her mouth. And I don't know. I even looked because I was like, fuck, maybe I'm wrong. So I, like, went to the muzzle website and, like, checked their fitting recommendations. And I was like, no, man, this is, like, what they say. But, like, also, in your well-fitting muzzles, your dogs are doing full pants. Right? Not, I think by full, like, they can pant. But I think by full pant, she meant, like, slack jaw, like, can do, like, a full bite almost. Like... Interesting. I don't, I don't know. Because, I mean, uh, they can all pant, but it's like their mouth is only open like an inch or two, opposed to like if your dog is panting when it's naked, it's, you know, obviously like four or five inches. <laughs> like it's a lot mm-hmm. more of an open mouth, right? Okay. So, that I mean, that's what I, that's why I did my research, because I was like, is this bitch right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't just assume to know everything. And I looked and I like checked the the muzzle uh, that muzzle companies sizing things, and then I just did like a Google search about muzzle fitting, and it, it said that I was right. But I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" And especially with this dog in particular, the muzzle that's the next size up like hits her in the eyes, and she can get it off. <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the next size up, she can do a full pant, but she could also get it off. I mean, you have a dog that has an egg-shaped head, so maybe it's different. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, fitting for a bull terrier would be different than a normal dog, probably. Um, and I don't know how much we went into the different kinds of muzzles uh, in the tool episode. I know we kind of touched on it briefly, but you, I'll just reiterate. 
that you should only be using a basket muzzle for pretty much everything. (laughs) Yeah, I would argue literally for everything. Like, there's no Mm -hmm. reason not to use one. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap up this segment just because I don't, I think that we could just not for four hours. (laughs) Um, So let's just pick now to wrap up this segment. We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about how to muzzle train your dog. Margarita check. How is your 4th of July margarita? <laughs> we really do. We need to add some like videos or pictures to the treat pouch. I because don't, I don't. <laughs> Our I don't facial expressions do. are, I, I mean, not to brag, um, but like we're very expressive people. <laughs> um, so most of the podcasts that I listen to also upload the recording to YouTube is all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, Can you will, imagine? That will not be happening. <laughs> <laughs> you just screenshot shit on Zoom, right? Um, uh, what were we doing? Oh, margarita check. My mouth is blue. I'm two and a half pitchers in. <laughs> My drink is now purple. Yes, mine too. Um, <laughs> Very purple. And I'm shit-faced. Hence the faces that she's talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. How's yours? Yours wasn't great to begin with, right? Or no, no it's, it was good, it's good, but it just wasn't it's, pretty. It's not what I would pick, but, like, it's good, though. Like, I'm right, fine right, drinking right. it. Um, also, like, usually when we're done editing episodes, they're around an hour long, and we've been recording for over an hour, and we're halfway done. <laughs> A lot of it is trash, though, so <laughs> it should be fine. I think it's all been gold. <laughs> okay. So muzzle training. So um, the reason that we decided to do this episode was we had done an episode prior to this uh, about taking the dog to the vet where we had talked about muzzle training your dog. And my sister-in-law texted me and she said, oh, we're going to start muzzle training our dog. So what do I do? I just put the muzzle on him for 10 minutes a day. And that's when I realized I did not explain (laughs) what muscle training is. I just said the word muscle training like everybody should know what it means. Um, So we're going to explain how to... Hello, Doobie. (laughs) We're going to explain how to actually do that. Yeah. 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 You didn't say your bullet point. I'm sorry. Muscle training should always be positive. Um, yes, muzzle training should always be positive, uh, and if you're doing it right, your dog should always be excited for their muzzle. If they're not excited for their muzzle, then you have more work to do. So, my next bullet point that Laura wrote for me says (laughs) how you muzzle train, which I'm assuming I'm supposed to talk about how I muzzle train. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because, like, we both have our own methods, right? So, I assume that you trained a little bit differently than I did. Yeah, um... It's so interesting because in the last episode that came out, there was something that you had taught me how to do, but we had different methods of doing it. And so I think like maybe because you were typing to me how to do things, I just kind of like interpreted them differently. So I ended up with a different process than you had. Okay, well, I'll I'll go over what Laura told me to do and so how I do muscle training. <laughs> um, and maybe it will be the same as Laura. Maybe it won't. I don't um, think we ever I talked do, about muscle training, did we? Yeah, you taught me how to muzzle train Mooney. Cause, um, Did I? Yeah, because early on when I had him, that was one of my issues was the vet. And so you taught me how to muzzle train him. 
Yep. Look at me. Um, yeah. So he has a size <laughs> four muzzle. And also, pro tip, size four Baskerville fits almost every large dog. <laughs> there you go. Um, so what I did to start was um, I started putting, like, spreading peanut butter on the bottom of the muzzle and just having him go lick it out. And I wasn't interacting with him at all at that point. So I just kind of put the muzzle on the ground and he could go put his face in it and get peanut butter. And then after a couple days of doing that, I started holding the muzzle in my hand and taking my regular training treats and kind of putting it through the bottom of the muzzle so he could stick his face in and get the treat out of my hand and then pull his face back out. And then after he got really good at that, I started adding the word muzzle to it. So I'd say muzzle and then have him put his face in there. And then I started doing it without the treat in my hand and he would put his face in there without the treat and then get rewarded afterwards. And then after he was comfortable with all of that, we started just messing around with the straps. So not actually putting the straps on yet, but just kind of like flipping them over his head. So we got used to it um, and then eventually putting the muzzle on. And one of the most important parts of it that you had told me at the time, which I'm sure you still stand by, is that when I put the muzzle on Mooney, we then do something fun. So it's not like he gets his muzzle put on and then he goes to the vet every time. Um. So God, those were the things. Can you imagine? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so those were the things I did to muzzle train Mooney. Um, and I'm interested to see if your process is different. <laughs> yeah, so pretty similar. I start with just having them retrieve food or treats out of the muzzle. So usually I, I am holding it. Um, I've never had much success with just leaving it for them to go into. But that's an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, so I generally hold it and I put food or treats in there um, and they just have to get it and it's free, essentially. Um, and then I start pairing the word muzzle with the act of putting their face in there. Um, I think my big tip about muzzle training, because I have had somebody else get bit, is make sure that it's it's super important that they always come to the muzzle and you never move the muzzle towards them. Hmm. Um, so I had a, another trainer that I was working with. We were working at a shelter um, and there was an aggressive shepherd and we were working on muzzle training him because it was the only way we could work him because he was pretty aggressive. And she had been muzzle training him for a while, so I'm not really sure what the issue was, but she moved the muzzle towards him and he got pissed and bit the fuck out of her. So it's it's super important to me that they always come to the muzzle. The muzzle is never anything that is pushed onto them, right? Yeah. Um, just because obviously... That's a, and I, and I mean, real talk, obviously, in reality, that's not always a possibility. Boogie hates his muzzle no matter how much I've trained him for it. So <laughs> for him, I just have to strap him in. Uh, we still work with the muzzle regularly. He will put his face in there and all of that. But when it's time to go to the vet, I do have to fight with him a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, just it's important that when you are muzzle training that they always come to the muzzle. You never move the muzzle towards them. Um, because that can, especially with aggression cases, cause some issues and, uh, you know, safety first. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, once you start pairing the word muzzle, that's really, really helpful because once they know the verbal cue, um, then you can start giving them the cue without treats and then they put their face in at the cue and get rewarded outside of the muzzle. That's a really big turning point in muzzle training to me. Um, because that's when they're really comfortable in the muzzle, right? Because anybody will go into a muzzle to grab a treat, but when there's not a treat in there, that's kind of a defining moment, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, once they learn the verbal cue and they will go in there and get the treat after the fact, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big step. So if you're having trouble at that step, don't be too discouraged. That's generally a big step for them. Um, and then from there, we work up to wearing the muzzle, which is even trickier uh, because once they're clipped in, that's usually when they start to kind of throw a fit a little bit more. So that's where I start to incorporate peanut butter. So I think it's kind of interesting that you do the peanut butter to start with. That's hmm. interesting to me. Um, but yeah, so once they're willing to go into the muzzle without treats and get rewarded after the fact, then that symbolizes to me that they're probably ready to clip in, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where I smear the peanut butter all over. They go in for the peanut butter because it takes a while to eat all the peanut butter off of the muzzle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I clip it in. As soon as the peanut butter is gone, I unclip it and they're done. So that, that to me, that kind of desensitizes getting clipped in because uh, they're too busy eating the peanut butter, obviously. I don't know that they even really notice that they're clipped in. <laughs> right. Uh, and then as soon as the peanut butter is gone, they get unclipped. It's not a big deal. So that kind of desensitizes the act of clipped in. Uh, because I do, I've definitely had multiple dogs where the second you do that, like literally the clip noise is like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm upset. What is this? <laughs> uh, you're not holding it anymore. It's stuck on my face. So, yeah, I use the peanut butter and we'll smell it, smear it all over the muzzle and then clip it on. As soon as the peanut butter is gone, I unclip it and they're done. Once they're totally comfortable with that part, which can sometimes take a little bit, then we start delaying taking it off once the peanut butter is gone. So once the peanut butter is gone, instead of unclipping it automatically, I'll start asking them to like sit, give them a treat and then unclip it, stuff like that. And then we graduate to wearing it during tasks. So they'll maybe get a little bit less peanut butter, wear it. And instead of taking it off right away, we go for a short walk wearing it and get a lot of treats in the during that short walk. Um, or like a backyard training session, something like that. Until they'll f they are fully comfortable wearing it for any amount of time, right? And and don't get me wrong, that process is is lengthy. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just it's just like crate training, which we just talked about. You know, like it's it's a lot of work. It's not like you can just shut the door and leave for four hours in the crate. Yeah, same with the muzzle. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's definitely a gradual process, and I would also almost say that like the more that like, if you are just using it for vet visits, the more that you just shove it on them for vet visits, the more work that you're creating for yourself because the more negative association they have, right? Yeah. I did run into that with Mooney where at a certain point I was like, okay, he's muzzle trained. And then I started only putting it on him for those occasions. And like, you know, then we regress. And so it's important to like keep up the practice of it. Yeah. So I think I already talked about this. Doobie hasn't worn his muzzle in a long time and I just recently started using it. Oh boy, the fits just not I, I basically can't use it now hmm. uh, because I tried to introduce him to another dog while he was muzzled and he wouldn't even acknowledge the other dog because hmm. he was so like upset about the muzzle he's like no I, this dog does not exist to me right now because I'm wearing this fucking muzzle and yeah. I'm like god damn it yep. <laughs> um, so I mean unfortunately for him, I basically have to start over. We basically have to muzzle muzzle train from the beginning because I haven't used it for so long. Which I think, too, is just like an important kind of dog tip in general. All that stuff that you've trained your dog to do but you don't use regularly, they will lose it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Even if it's sit. Like, if you don't ask your dog to sit regularly, they're not going to sit anymore. 
Yep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and if you uh, introduced your puppy to a lot of dogs when they were 10 weeks old, but haven't seen another dog for three years. Yeah. I hate to tell you. <laughs> God help us all. Um, but yeah, so muzzle training, I mean, it does take a lot of time, but it's super worth it, um, because having a dog that's willing and able to wear a muzzle is really convenient for certain things, especially the vet. But two, like we talked about, um, do we have a socialization episode? Yeah. Pretty we sure did. we did. Yep. Um, I just I mean, got feedback get- on that from a friend of mine who just got a dog. She was really, really happy with the episode. Interesting. Yeah. Having a podcast is so weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even remember that episode. I remember nothing about it. And people are like, oh, thanks so much for blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. I was shit-faced. <laughs> sure. Sure. You're welcome. Hopefully what I said wasn't fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just had someone message me today and say like, oh, I just started your podcast. Um, and it was the episode that just came out. And I was like, okay, so she just started with the episode where I was like, I don't know oh, how God. tools work, but a cute boy told me that they're not so bad. <laughs> like, it was like the stupidest I've ever sounded on this that fucking was podcast. My favorite, <laughs> that was my favorite part of this last episode, though, was you just being like, fish tacos and wine. <laughs> I was like, well, if you're starting there and you're still invested, then good for you. I'm, I'm happy to have you. <laughs> I do. I do feel like the podcast has gotten progressively better. Because we just get progressively better. I don't know that I would say that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think that's all I have to say about muzzle training, right? I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what I saw the other day that I thought was really fucking cool? Obviously, there's some pitfalls, but I uh, it was just some like random Facebook video that I just, I don't know, randomly got. But so it was in a shelter setting and they were trying to muzzle train. And they had like, you know, like those trash picker upper things that are like a wand with like a clip at the bottom. It was like that. And that was holding the muzzle inside the kennel so that they could muzzle train a dog through the kennel. Mm. And I thought that was fucking amazing. I was so excited about that. Because, yeah, honestly, regardless of whether it's dogs or people or whatever it is, I mean, once they once they have a muzzle on, I mean sky's the limit right like at that point they're kind of rendered useless to a certain extent <laughs> you're <laughs> they, at they least really like can't. you have more opportunities you know like it's not like you're just going to shove them into situations where they're oh, going absolutely. to freak out but like oh. you you can at least like like push a little bit farther because you know that you're safe you know yeah, so that's a really good point. If you have a trainer that is putting your dog in a muzzle and taking them to a dog park, just fire them right now. <laughs> just fire them right now. Yeah, the goal is period. not to make your fire, dog so upset. Fire that you're them going to and bite. then send me their name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it, the muzzle is not a tool for flooding your dog. That doesn't mean we're going to strap a muzzle on your dog that's scared of people and take it to an outdoor mall. Right. That's not. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, a lot of people use muzzles that way because, I mean, it is alluring. Don't get me wrong. You put a, a dog in a muzzle and suddenly you can really do anything. Right. Um, but long term, that's not that's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I have to pee. So let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that is how to muzzle train your dog. We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we will have Laura rant about something. 
final margarita check. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you look good. Um. <laughs> hmm. Wee. Um. I was trying to think of the last time I was this drunk. I don't ever get drunk, so <laughs> it's it's a little odd for me. Uh, I mean, I get like a little tipsy with the podcast, obviously, but I'm not social and I'm a social drinker, so <laughs> uh, I can't even remember the last time I was drunk and I am very drunk. <laughs> yeah, I drink a lot more of, I drink a lot more than I usually do <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Normally when I make a picture and to be fair, this time I made multiple pictures, but normally I'll make one picture and not even do half of it. And this is like two and a half pictures. So <laughs> we're having a good time over here. <laughs> okay. What rant do you have for us today? You look like a model with your hair blowing in the fan. <laughs> um, sorry. I have a candle lit and I just realized I'm too drunk to be responsible to blow it out. So I was like, oh, I should blow this out now. And so instead of blowing it out, I was tipping it in front of the fan, trying not to do the work. And it worked. And I was impressed. Um, anyways. <laughs> I love that you were like, I need to blow out the scandal so that I'm not irresponsible. And then you did something extremely irresponsible. <laughs> why, why is that irresponsible? Because you're going to tip it and like pour candle wax everywhere. Well, that's just messy. That's not irresponsible. I'm not going to light anything on fire. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so your rant. <laughs> Um, my rant. What is it? Oh, <laughs> hey, this is not a good rant for when you're shit faced. It's an Wait, excellent did we do our, one. Did we do our final mark check? Yeah. Did we? Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wrote this yesterday when I was not shit faced. Uh, <laughs> Um, but so obviously I work in rehab, both on the training and the rescue side of things. So unfortunately, behavior euthanasia comes up a lot. Uh, I feel like that episode is on the horizon. Uh, I just don't want it to be because I know Lily's going to have nothing to say and I don't want to talk for an entire episode. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll definitely have things to say, but like there, we had it on the docket and then you had to do a hard one. And then yeah. you just like, so yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's the same as losing any dog, right? Like some are harder, harder than others. I've lost a lot of dogs, but obviously losing Churchill was a lot harder than any other dog I've lost, stuff like mm -hmm. that. So behavior euthanasia is kind of the same where um, I've had to do quite a few recently uh, and it always sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't suck, <laughs> but some are harder than others. Uh, I don't remember who I had to do that you're referring to, but uh, the I've had to do two this month, uh, and they haven't sucked as much because I knew it was coming pretty much from the beginning of meeting the dogs, so I didn't get attached as much. But anyways, uh, but yeah, behavior euthanasia comes up a lot. Um, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, obviously, any sane person would do absolutely anything to avoid it. Uh, but my rant is based in the fact that the idea that there are sanctuaries for these dogs that cannot be safely placed is a myth. They don't exist. And the ones that do exist. So I, okay. So 
Here we go. <laughs> I don't I don't mean that they don't exist. Obviously they do. There are sanctuaries out there for aggressive dogs. But I would I would be willing to bet that it's almost never a good idea. Hmm. There's exceptions to every rule, but generally speaking, I have yet to find one. <laughs> Um, so the biggest one that always comes up is, oh, send them to best friends. I work very closely with best friends animal sanctuary. That is not what they are. <laughs> they are right. not a sanctuary for aggressive dogs. That is not what they do. Yeah. Yes, they took the Michael Vick dogs. People need to get over it. It was like 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but also many that, of those dogs were rehomable. Yes, also. Uh, except for the, I think there was two that legally could not be rehomed and they lived their life there. But that is not at all what Best Friends did. Obviously, a multi-bajillion dollar case. They're going to make an exception. Right. <laughs> uh, and no, that's not, I'm not showing, throwing shade at Best Friends, but that is not what they do. They don't take in severely aggressive dogs to sanctuary them. Right. So no, Best Friends is not an option. I literally, I have people recommend, like, oh, can best friends take them? All the time. Listen, that's not what best friends do. They're just a normal fucking shelter. Yeah. That's real fancy. Like, <laughs> And if you go back to our dog myths episode, they are a no-kill shelter, which means they're going to not take in very many animals <laughs> who, uh, who are asking to be taken in. <laughs> Amen. Um, so yeah, I don't mean that sanctuaries don't exist. I mean that that is not an alternative or a good alternative rather for aggressive dogs. I get it. I want that to be an answer too. (laughs) I want so much for there to be a place that I can send these dogs because, and I won't get too much into this because it'll be more in the behavior youth episode, but I want so much for there to be a place that I can send these dogs so that I don't have to do this, right? Like, behavior youth is the fucking worst thing that you can do. And and not that it's the wrong decision. It's never the wrong decision. (laughs) Like, we don't feel terrible about it because it's wrong. Like, we feel terrible about it because even though it's right, we don't want to do it. Yeah. It takes so, a huge toll on mental health. Huge. Uh, it's the worst. <laughs> as terrible as I feel about that, I would feel so much fucking worse about making a dog live in a kennel away from people and other dogs for the next 10 fucking years. Right. Can you fucking imagine? Like, imagine being in solitary confinement, which I know probably none of us know anything about that or can even (laughs) remotely imagine what that is like but that's essentially what it is yeah if they're so aggressive that they can't be placed and they have to go to a quote-unquote sanctuary think about like what that actually means right because i mean one there's a couple things to consider here like one i would argue that these dogs aren't healthy People are like, oh, well, you can't euthanize a completely healthy dog. And I'm like, well, mentally, this dog isn't healthy. Right, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. physical health health is not the only thing, right? Like, like um, all of us so- who have had pets in our life have had to make that decision at the end of our pet's life where it's like they're in so much pain. Like, they're not ready yeah. to die of natural causes, but they're, like, so miserable. And we've all had to make that decision of, like, okay, I guess it's time. But it's so much easier to do that about a physical ailment because it's you can yeah. see it. It's tangible. But like, yeah. like mentally, 
a dog can be suffering just as much. And a dog who is like, who is not good with other dogs or other people, we only know those things about them because those are the things that we encounter every day. So like, it's not like we know everything that dog is afraid of, but chances are if they're afraid of dogs and people, they're afraid of everything. And so like living that life of like, just always being on edge and afraid, like it's so much more than we Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, we both have like anxiety and depression issues. Uh, and you can cut that out. Sorry, I didn't mean to like. Oh no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I have anxiety and depression issues, <laughs> and I cannot fucking imagine being forced to like be social and do this shit that like terrifies me. Right? Yeah. Like, can you imagine being forced to do that shit? Like, that's terrible. But like being terrified and having to defend yourself all the time is not fun. Right. Dogs that bite people are not having fun. Dogs that freak out all the time are not having fun. It's like like a constant state of high adrenaline. Like how exhausting. And having to go live away from all of those things is also not fun. Right. (laughs) Like living alone away from people and dogs for the rest of your life is not really living. Right? Like... Obviously, and again, like, my house is a house full of fucking psychopaths. (laughs) Peter doesn't like people, but he likes dogs. Noble doesn't like dogs, but he likes people. Doobie likes both somewhat. (laughs) Like, all of my dogs have issues and they're workable, but they have a good quality of life. Dogs that are generally sent to sanctuary, and again, it obviously depends on the situation, but dogs that are generally sent to sanctuary are sent there because they have no quality of life and you're just extending that lack of quality of life like there's exceptions to every rule don't get me wrong like i'm sure there are legitimate sanctuaries but one i've yet to find one and trust me it comes up all the time so i have looked (laughs) but also too if it is a legitimate sanctuary why the fuck would they have room for more dogs so just the idea that there's these sanctuaries for these aggressive dogs is is just total bullshit. Yeah, and if you're imagining like a giant field where they're all running around, yeah, they can't also, be together. <laughs> I mean, there are again, there are exceptions. So like if they're dog friendly but not human friendly, stuff like that. Right. I would also argue at that point that they could probably be trained to at least be somewhat placeable and just not be allowed to run visitors, stuff like that. Because, I mean, Peter's the same way. St- I mean, sure. stuff like that. But, I mean, you have to take a good hard look at, like, what sanctuary you're considering and stuff like that. And if there's a quality of life. Because most sanctuaries, yeah, it's a big fancy-ass kennel. But it's still a fucking kennel. They're still not going to be in a home. They're still not going to be around people. And they're still not going to be around dogs. How How is that a fucking... Like, yeah, they make friends with the people that run the sanctuary. So they have their two people and they live out in the kennel and blah, blah, blah. Like, because there is no sanctuary setting for dogs that aren't good with other dogs that, <laughs> that they get to run free in a field, right? Like, I guess if it's a sanctuary just for dogs that aren't good with people, then yeah, maybe. But... <laughs> that's not usually usually if they're friendly with other dogs they're at least somewhat placeable right so i mean the whole idea of there being these sanctuaries is just ridiculous right um so yeah that's my depressing myth uh (laughs) 
is just behavior youth is not always the worst option. Um, I don't really want to talk about stuff. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a we whole save it. It's a whole episode in and of itself. But I guess we'll just say that I have sent a dog to a sanctuary. Uh, it did not go well. <laughs> and I would advise against it. <laughs> Um, so maybe our our future episode should be about behavior youth versus sanctuaries, and we can kind of put. Them oh, both I in the do same like episode. that better because then it's not just all super fucking terrible and depressing. Well, it still is. But I mean, it is, but it at least breaks variety. it up a little bit. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I just know the other podcasts that I listen to uh, have done episodes on behavior youth, and I won't listen to them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so, I mean, obviously I know what to look for. I know how to vet people. I know all the red flags and I still got fucked by a sanctuary. So I guess partially that's why I'm biased that there is no such thing as a good sanctuary. Uh, but also just like experience of I'm working with pretty severe behavior dogs. And if I could find another option, I would have, you know? Not that I know everything, obviously, but if there was some magic sanctuary that would take aggressive dogs, I would imagine I'd have come across it by now. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't I don't know how much you want me to get into it, but uh, the sanctuary that we used was good. I mean, we did Borden trains with him uh, and it's Stefan Baldwin. I'm not like trying to be covert. Uh, if you, If you know... I feel like he's infamous, but there's obviously still plenty of people that don't know who he is. So we've done boarding trains with him and they've been hugely successful. I've been to the ranch. I've, you know, I've, I felt like I did my due diligence. I wasn't just sending these dogs blindly. Uh, and it still fucking backfired and that he was, he didn't euthanize our dog. Thank God. Uh, she still died. So, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't all great, but he was euthanizing dogs to make space because like I said, if you're a legitimate sanctuary, you're going to run out of space at some point and then how are you making money? Right? So again, same as like, think about what their life is going to be. Think about the actuality of the sanctuary. How is the sanctuary making money? There's only so many spaces available. So much like him where he started euthanizing dogs so like obviously he didn't euthanize our dog because obviously we're still around we're still check up on her blah 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 there were other shelter dogs that nobody was following nobody was checking up on and so he ended up uh, and obviously we didn't know about this at the time or we wouldn't have been in business with him but <laughs> he was euthanizing dogs that nobody was following up on to make space for more dogs and more money right so if you're running a quote-unquote sanctuary, how are you making money? Because there's not limitless room. Why, why are you doing it? Because say you have spots for 40 dogs. What happens when those spots are full? How are, how are you still making money? Because sanctuary dogs are sanctuary dogs. They're not getting, they're not getting adopted. They're not all old. They're not all going to die. Like, <laughs> how, how are you making money off of these dogs? And if you're not making money off these dogs, how are you affording to keep these dogs? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's just no, no matter how you look at it, whether it's a quality of life or just like money perspective, sanctuaries don't work. Like, there's just no way for them to work. 
just think about it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. By the way, um, Scott has pointed out to me on several occasions that I've started saying blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you got that from Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had given you something better than blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I thought of, though, when I thought of sanctuaries is that um, that healer dog. That you're uh, at the very beginning that they sent to Texas or something, Colorado. Yeah. So I thought I thought uh, was it Colorado? Mm-hmm. I like to think better of Colorado than that. So I thought I thought you might have something to say about uh, sanctuaries. Well, um, that wasn't a sanctuary. It was supposed to be a training, and honestly, like I really can't speak intelligently about it because when it was all happening I didn't know anything about any anything um I just knew that I didn't feel good but I didn't have any data or any information about like about anything well it was just weird because like I know we had messaged them a couple times being like hey because they I mean there were plenty of red flags don't get me wrong but like we never really saw him on the site, or if we did, there were never updates or something like that. And so I think you had messaged them asking for an update, and they basically were like, oh, he's going through training now. If it's not successful, we'll just keep him forever. And it's like, um, what? Like, that's not that's not a real option. I would love for that to be an option. It's not, because again space is not limitless (laughs) yeah and he was like he was only like a year and a half old or two years old so it was like you know it wasn't a senior dog it's like a 10-year commitment yeah exactly yeah exactly um yeah and i've had uh i've had i had a friend that sent a dog to sanctuary because he was pretty human aggressive and she regrets it to this day this was years ago she regrets it mm. to this day because same thing. He lives, bas- I mean, it's a really nice, big outdoor kennel with like everything he could want. But he basically lives in a kennel away from people and dogs. Like he has the people that run the sanctuary that come and feed him and let him out and whatnot. But like, that's not a fucking life. Yeah. What What about that is a life? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's so um, hard. I mean, like, I get it. Like, when you're in that position and you're the one who has to make the call, like, you know better than anybody, like, that fucking sucks. If there was another option, I would have found it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. when her option is, like, deciding whether her dog gets to live or die and she can see that option in front of her. I mean, it's just, like, it's a hard decision to make, even if there's, like, a yeah. right decision. For a normal dog owner... There is literally nothing worse than that. Right. And and again, don't get me wrong. There's nothing worse than that to me either. But I understand the reality more than than the average dog owner. Right. right. Um, so like I don't like I don't fault them for trying to find any any other option. But the reality is that any other option is not really an option. Right, yeah. like in the long run, you'll realize that if you take one of those options, they weren't a good option. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, say you decide to negligently rehome her, she's gonna fucking hurt someone and then get put down by animal control. You send her to a sanctuary, then she's gonna live the next ten plus years in solitary confinement. 
are either of those things better than being put down by your family like happily and eating McDonald's? No. Like, <laughs> like it's it's just not. Like it's just not a not a thing. Um I mean, obviously Kiki didn't have Kiki was the behavior youth that I had to do a couple weeks ago. Uh and I did not like her. She was not an enjoyable dog. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I would have done anything obviously to avoid doing that. Uh, because even though I don't like her, she's still a living creature and I don't want to make life or death decisions for living creatures. But so, I mean, she didn't have a family, so it's a little bit different. But like we, then, <laughs> so she got brought back by her foster because she tried to attack somebody in the foster home. Uh, so she came back to my house and we ordered, <laughs> I ordered her an entire pizza. I ordered her a five piece chicken finger meal. <laughs> So she literally, she didn't eat the whole pizza. Uh, I got a little bit of it, but (laughs) Uh, she ate pizza and she ate, she did eat all five chicken fingers (laughs) and she slept in bed with me, which she didn't really sleep, which goes into her behavior. And then we woke up and we went and got McDonald's breakfast and she had pancakes and sausage (laughs) and hash browns. Uh, and we went to Mount Charleston and we ran in the trees and she got to do all this fun stuff. Uh, and then we put her down. So like, I would rather do that where she has the fucking best day ever and then says goodbye rather than again, she was four. So she has hopefully eight years left, right? I would rather give her the best day ever and put her down than relegate her to living eight years in a fucking kennel, stressed out and solitary. Because that sounds like the worst possible fucking option to me. Like nothing about that seems good. There are quite a few things worse than death (laughs) when it comes to behavior dogs. Uh, And some happy sanctuary is a myth. And that's my piece. There it is. <laughs> I, Sorry, I have nothing to so say dark. about that. <laughs> um, just because, I mean, I've never needed to, I've never needed to know any of this. So I just, I don't have anything Come to Come out add here really, and do but. it for a little bit so I can take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not mentally stable enough for that. Like, in any I'm sense. I'm not either. <laughs> Funny story. Uh. <laughs> okay, well, my puppies are going crazy, so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, I gotta go, man. <laughs> stuff. I don't even want to look at Audacity. I'm pretty sure we've been recording for like three hours. Only two and a half. Oh. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up. Our 25th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You know what's funny? Every week we're like, I can't believe it's been this many episodes. But this week I feel like I feel like it's been 100 episodes. And that there's only been 25. Oh, really? That's how I felt about 20, but now I'm just unfazed. <laughs> Once we hit 20, I was like, holy shit. But 25, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Old news. Uh, our 25th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilysDogs.com or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. And you can find me on Instagram at LV, which I haven't updated in a while. Uh, <laughs> and my website, ProperPuppersLV.com. 
which there's a new one coming out eventually. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's like 75% done. In our next episode, we will be drinking hurricane margaritas, whatever that means, and talking about our time in Houston after, what was that hurricane called? Her- Harvey. <laughs> Harvey, after Hurricane Harvey, (laughs) Uh, we both got deployed to Houston twice, volunteering with Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, which seems to be coming up a lot lately. Uh, And we're going to talk about it. And it's fraught with good, good intel. Next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at dogaritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at dogaritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>